بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet peace be upon him continuing our exploration of Surah An-Nisa Surah 4 oh, you can't see the screen yet uh, let's switch over to this and once again, let me know if you can see the screen. Yeah, very good. And and so we're speaking about these two ayahs that themselves are speak are, are about people who are committing fahisha, which we would translate often translate as lewdness. More often, fahisha would be a sin committed by two or more people together. So fahisha is often uh, translated as lewdness, as immorality, as indecency. Uh, But think of it as collective immoral conduct. And where we left off was the question of repentance. So if they repent and mend their ways, leave them alone. God is always ready to accept repentance. He is full of mercy. So, one opinion is that these ayahs have been abrogated by the ayahs of Surah Nur, specifically about zina, but not abrogated about other, perhaps, sins that people might be committing together of a lewdness nature. And so, zina, we're talking about zina like all the way. So, How do you figure out if someone's being honest in their repentance? Because what if I just say, I'm so sorry, I swear by Allah, Ya Allah, please forgive me, I will never do it again. And then we just let them free. Sadia. Through the changes in, in their actions? That's basically it. Do they change their actions? So part of this is... So, so they repent and reform, and then they turn away. Then it is fair to assume that the repentance is somewhat sincere at a social level. And what I mean by this is repentance with God is different than repentance with the people. And let me explain what I mean here. So first and foremost, let's see, y'all can see my my one note. Yeah, yeah, okay. So repentance, which equals tauba. What does toba actually mean? What does repentance mean? It means to turn. So tauba is essentially saying. I went, I oriented myself the wrong way, and I'm orienting myself back to Allah. So it's basically reorienting after turning away. So you're basically just turning back, which then means that if I turn away from Allah, yeah, exactly, Joel, turn back. 
If I turn away from Allah, it is as though Allah turns away from me. If I turn back to Allah, it is as though Allah turns back to me. So, with Allah, it's a matter of the heart, primarily, which then leads to a matter of the mind, which then leads to a matter of action. Meaning, if I'm sincere, it means I'm sincere in my heart. With people or creation or society, it's a matter of action. Which is essentially saying I'm no longer a corrupting influence on society. That's what the effect is of the toba. So, and then we I think we already know this, but just to get everybody on the same page, the test of sincerity. How do I know if I'm being sincere? There's a three plus one part test. Number one, do I regard the action as wrong? Okay. Number two, anybody remember the other questions? Okay. Do I stop doing the action? And number three, do I hate to go back to it the way I would hate to be thrown into a fire? Both hell, but even just physically, I would be I would hate to be thrown into a fire. Do I hate the action that much? So if yes, then sincere. So if yes in this one, then I am sincere. If yes, then I am sincere. Almost like saying I'm sincere that percentage, one third. If no, then I need knowledge. Or the first question. If I don't regard the action as wrong, that means I need more knowledge to understand that the action is wrong. If I don't stop doing it, then I need more training, more tarbiyah. Because maybe I can't control myself. I just can't stop doing this drug. If I don't hate to go back to it, then I need more knowledge and training. So what if I do an action and I can't say yes to all the questions? Should I ask for forgiveness? Absolutely, right? It is on Allah to accept my forgiveness request or not. This is a test of how sincere I am. So if it's no, 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 I should still ask Allah for forgiveness. If it's no, and I know I'm going to do it again, and I know I'm going to do it again tomorrow, I should still ask for forgiveness. But my goal should be yes, yes, yes. Danya. So um, there's the you know outward part of it that other people can see, and there's that like inward part that like between you and like your intentions and your Lord. Um, yeah. But that that outward per portion, as like the not the transgressor, as the outside people. Is this something you like take at like face value? Because so for example, in this case, this is something that would be done in private anyway. Uh -huh. Um so like 
how that's basically it, like, it i mean if someone says i i stopped or i don't do this are you supposed to always believe 100 that they like, take them at their word it's essentially that's the best that you can that's really hard <laughs> yeah what's interesting is that in muslim polity philosophies we don't see any sort of invasion in private space right uh, what do you mean by that so basically even the prophet peace be upon him does not seem to be asking people what's going on in their private lives, except for the usual, how are you doing? Right, that type of thing. Those types of general questions. So, uh, he would, we knew all about his private life to very, very personal details, you know, whether it's intimacy with wife or going to the bathroom, right? But he was not being informed of the people's private lives. So it's kind of like your private space is sort of off limits for the Muslim polity. Uh, the modern nation state, for example, dominates public space. Much of Muslim empire didn't even dominate public space, but that could be just because it's pre-modern, uh, as opposed to make sure you pay your taxes, don't revolt, right? And we have a court system for conflict resolution type stuff. So, compared to what we have, for example, in the modern US, especially, but modern nations where you have Laws upon laws upon laws, completely controlling every inch of public space. And so the Muslim attempts at public space even control things like, you know, hair covering and all that stuff. Yeah. So the point is, in that era, you would basically have to take someone on their word. And their risk was the cost of their reputation. Unless they commit the crime again. If they commit the crime again, then the opportunity for repentance seems to be gone. So let's say someone, uh, you know, gets caught, gets convicted for lewd act, and they say, yeah, I'm wrong, I'm guilty, I'm never going to do it again. And you set them free, and then a week later or a year later, they get caught again, and you say, oh, I slipped. The opportunity for repentance at that point, social repentance, uh, is usually lost. Make sense? There is also a principle uh, that if you actually got caught, it's probably not your first time. Or these social sins. So it is a mercy of Allah in general that our sins are being covered. And to continue that mercy, we should not share our sins because if we do, then we're also removing Allah's mercy upon us that he may not cover them anymore. Social sins, there's this general sentiment that Allah might let you keep it quiet once. If you do it a second time, social sins, meaning fahisha, meaning sins involving other people, then right. you may get exposed. So what if it's not, because like, you know, modern day society, like the or actually just in general, I feel like four people witnessing this is a difficult thing to come by. Um, but let's say um, people are in hiding the shared space, for example. Is it literally like witnessing the lewd act or is it, I don't know, like two, pe like two unmarried people, I'd say like living in the same home and no, are like open about that? It'd be witnessing the act. Gotcha. Yeah. So, gotcha. Say you have a man and woman living together. We don't know what's going on. 
we might have to assume they are married or assume you know they are in separate rooms whatever the case is we don't assume anything gotcha. but, and i'm not talking about community gossip but that's you know the opposite you assume the worst community gossip but yeah gotcha so it's bam eyewitness not even ear witness yeah gotcha Ahmed B. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I have a question about hiding sin and publicizing sin. So I know someone who um, they'll do that thing where it's like, for example, it's Ramadan, they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm not fasting. I try to fast, but I'm not perfect. And they kind of play that card. Yeah. And part of me, well, my instinct is to be like, hey, at least you're trying. But then part of me is also like, this person really shouldn't be talking about this. So how do you, how do we advise people kind of in those situations where they're not even close really to the dean at all, but they kind of share those things? That depends 100% on your closeness to them. And then from there, it becomes, you know, an intuitive choice. So for example, if this is just like a classmate um, or someone on the bus you'll be like, you know, well, hopefully you can do better, right? If it's somebody close to you, then you tell them, okay, don't share this with people. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. If you're in a position of some amount of influence and you notice this as a pattern, or even if you notice just one person does it, then you address it in the most general sense to everybody in such a way that that person does not feel like they're being exposed. So let's say, you know, some hypothetical person will call him, oh, I don't know, Hamid says to me, you know, I'm just not going to fast, you know. Uh, and, and but says it to me, not in the capacity of student teacher, but says it to me in the capacity of just casual conversation. At a later point in class, I'll say, yeah, I've been hearing from, from people that they're advertising the fact that they're not fasting, they should, you know, not speaking of anybody in particular, not speaking about you or anyone in particular, you should hide the fact that you're not fasting. So you do something like that. The key is you also don't want, don't want to take away the dignity of the person. And by exposing them, you're taking away their dignity. That makes sense. Thank you. Inshallah. I'm making that for your friend Hamid, by the way. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Inshallah, Hamid will be fasting more than all of us. Even <laughs> more than you, Hamid. Yeah. I mean, I mean. I mean. Oh, see, that was, that was a good move. Shayla. Can you hear me okay? Well, like, it's kind of so windy far. here. Okay. So far, so good. Um, so, I don't know how comfortable I am with this, like, hiding of things. Like, I don't know that secrecy really leads to good. Um, one, because, I mean, you're lying, basically, right? So you're lying. And then two, um, you're also kind of making other people potentially feel bad about the fact, like, if they are not fasting, for instance, like, if you're, if you're not fasting yourself, but other people think that you are, and they're not fast. They're not able to fast themselves. They're going to think, oh, everybody around me is fasting and I'm such oh. a bad Muslim. Right. So like you're creating this superhuman um, portrayal of humans. And we're not like I think that admitting um, Renee, what's her name? Renee, Renee, somebody Brown. I don't remember. Her oh, name. yeah. yeah anyway, Brown. she talks about Renee Brown. Brown. Yeah. Renee Brown. 
she talks about um, vulnerability and how like it's important to share our vulnerabilities because that's what makes us human. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just not really comfortable. I mean, I'm, it's not like, you know, like if I'm on my menstrual cycle or something, I'm not going to go like, you know, advertising that. Right. But um, on the other hand, if, if somebody asks, like, I'm not going to lie or I'm not going to try to hide the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm not really comfortable whether it's like, you know, a major sin, you know, um, and not being honest about that, because in order to be honest with ourselves, I think we also have to be honest with other people. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, I just see that it leads to so much like I think about, um, like in Iran, how there's so much like prostitution, that's like, not talked about, you know, because the government doesn't want people to know or like homosexuality, that the government doesn't want people to know about. And so it's like underground. And I don't think that's healthy. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think it's healthy to necessarily have it be like rampant either. But um, I think talking about it can lead to resolution and figuring mm-hmm. out ways to improve. Totally, totally. Uh, what are all your thoughts on this? Sabrina? I think talking about it could also lead to acceptance and it becoming a norm. Okay. So, all right. Therefore, isn't that why we're told to hide people's sins, their flaws? Okay. Adnan, what do you think? Sorry, I had to unmute. Um, I think there... I think there's a difference between uh, vulnerability and hiding your sin and like lying. So I don't know if I would equate the two. Like if I, for example, have a shortcoming or a mishap, like not advertising it isn't the same as like not being vulnerable or like, you know, it's one thing to go to someone and ask for help or say, Hey, I'm dealing with this or like whatever it may be, right. Whatever capacity or relationships you may have. But I think it's something different to like publicize a sin or whatever the sin may be. Like, for example, let's say drinking alcohol. Like if if you were to struggle with like drinking, um, it's one thing to like privately deal with that. And then like, yeah, you can reach out to people or like go through it. It's not about not being vulnerable, but I think it's separate to like openly show yourself drinking. Okay. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think like, so I think those are separate things. I don't think we should equate. I, so what I'm saying is I don't think we should equate like hiding your sins as saying you shouldn't be vulnerable or like, uh, you know, you should not do certain things. But I think it is important to have a level of like modesty and like um, not advertise your flaws or your shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not out of like, arrogance but just out of I, I don't think anyone i don't know it's not about adver- being like hey i'm superhuman and like i'm doing all these things but mm-hmm. um i think sin is different because i think the example given was like fasting right like if you're sick and you're not fasting I, that's not a sin right mm-hmm. like you cannot fast and you don't have to hide that uh i think it's almost worse to like pretend you're fasting or to fast if you're sick mm-hmm. just like Quote oh, similar to to that example, there will be many people who will either be sick and not fasting, or on their cycle and not fasting, but will feel pressured to pretend they're yeah. fasting. Yeah, and I don't think I and I'm not agreeing. Like I don't think that's fair either, right? I think we should be more open to not having that pressure, right, as a community. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, but also because not fasting in those situations isn't a sin, right? Mm-hmm. So I think what we're talking about or what's being talked about in terms of uh, is is sin itself or disobedience to Allah. Okay. If, if we're specific. Those, those are my thoughts on it. Sure. Uh, so, so my point is uh, from Shala's point is uh, from the social point of view that, okay, we are not only talking about uh, fasting, right? We are talking about any sin, right? And whether it should be discussed openly or not. So, so what it, what it will be that it will take some time after, like, if we start talking about any of the sin and discussing openly, so how much time it will take that at some point, it will become quite normal okay. and, or maybe encouraging actually, yeah. or maybe it will not uh, be uh, thought as obscene or, uh, uh, or maybe you will be start talking it like you are proud of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, so how we differentiate that someone is talking uh, like you, you may not pay much attention or differentiate it that if someone is acknowledging out of regret or remorse, or if someone is saying, Oh, that's very good actually. Okay. Okay. So we've made a couple of points so far, and then Sadi will get to you in a second. So the initial concern is are people performing and thus lying and thus hiding something that can be actually a benefit to other people in in their struggles? That's that's the the core thesis here, right? And so so the uh, distinguish the what Adnan is distinguishing is advertising your sins you know, versus, versus not uh, keeping them a secret as that's like a, a, a different thing. And then the question, the, the question uh, Khuram is making is that if we do talk about them, uh, might we reach a point where it's so normalized that it's not considered to be a big deal to the point that it might be considered something of joy. Sadia. Um, yeah. So, I think there has to be kind of like um, a judgment call because when you see that if a sin is getting bigger and bigger in the society, that's when you really start to talk about it. Um, But if you see that it's not really, uh, it's not large enough to affect uh, the whole community, the whole society, um you try to stay silent on that um and take other measures to um to make it right um mm-hmm. so the idea is not that you just keep hiding it whatever the cost so i think that what the cost is going to be eventually uh, the society has to make a judgment call on that um and yes, once we start talking about these things, people start to get desensitized and we see more and more um, a lot of the degradation happening in the subcontinent. That's where I come from because of, um, for both reasons actually, both because they are uh, they have been hidden for so long, but at the same time, because they haven't been talked about, so it just in both ways, it just keeps going up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to kind of make a judgment call on that. And I completely agree with Adnan that 
you know, keeping your vulnerabilities to yourself is kind of different from hiding a sin uh, because your intention also matters. Um, and, um, and hiding something is not the same as lying, mm -hmm. you know, lying is telling something wrong and, um, hiding is just not telling it. <laughs> so you're making a choice that that's, you know, that works for you in that time. So I don't think both are the same. Okay. Hamid, and then Zishan, and then Sheila. So I think there are obviously a lot of different arguments on both sides of, is it beneficial for society to talk about our sins? Is it more beneficial not to? And I think we can say as Muslims that the net positive is not to discuss our sins. And the reason I can say that is because our religion teaches us not to. So despite yeah. the fact, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's haram to drink wine, for example. But then, oh, the study says that wine is beneficial. And perhaps there might be one or two, quote unquote, benefits. But if our religion forbids it, uh, if there's so many hadith talking about the how we shouldn't be exposing our sins and, you know, we're in real trouble if we do, then regardless of what we might think is a net benefit to society, in the end game, uh, and Allah knows everything, it, it is not beneficial to society. Okay. Zishan. I think I'm going to apply your uh, the example that you gave to Hamid before. Uh, and uh, if it's someone you know, and then it may be worth being vulnerable in discussion. Mm -hmm. I think when you elevate it towards a policy, like you're the, a policy maker, then it becomes a problem about like, how do you even quantify or get this information? Because like sitting in America, you could almost like generically say like, no one's following all these like, you know, um islam and so forth like and have this perception so i think it gets much more trickier to have like more like okay let's talk about it does it impact society does is everyone doing it? because you can't put a pulse on it until you're doing like surveys or finding information out you will never find that information out but and that has a big implication at a policy level for like places like iran pakistan india and so forth so i would say talk about it in in in, in your circles but as you go towards the the the, the polity and the policy and societal level, I don't think that you should like consider this like um, having having without information on this thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Talking more about it can influence people to think that everyone does it, and then people are more uh, zealous about this. But I do think there are short, smaller groups and community centers and mosques and things that are where you should talk about it. That's generally. Okay. Uh, Shelly, do you want to go or do you want uh, Ahant uh, to speak next? Um, yeah, sure. No, I think that's a good point. Like, I think we need to have accurate measures. Like, I mean, you know, from a scientific perspective, like if you want to have an intervention, right, if you want to make some improvement on it, you have to gather data. And the only way that you're going to gather data is to, you know, talk about it in not a gossiping or a boastful way, but like actually, you know, measure it and be on, but it requires honesty, you know, to get good data. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of see people's points that, you know, I, I absolutely agree that, you know, it shouldn't be done if you're going to be talking about a sin, it shouldn't be done in a boastful way at all. 
but more like this is something that I recognize and I'm really struggling with, you know, like to a friend or whatever. And um, I'm trying to work on this or something. That's, mm-hmm. that's how you make progress mm-hmm. is by being honest. About it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, um, yeah. Okay. I won't keep talking. Assalamualaikum. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I joined in here a little late, but uh, you know, I had, I guess, two reflections, or I guess the first one is the question from the perspective of, the heart, um, uh, you know, do you think, um, you know, flaunting our sins or, or at least exposing our sins in public may have a negative effect on the hearts of others? This is one of the reasons why our tradition uh, like values like sohba, the companionship and like who your friends are and, uh, you know, who you strive in the deen with like together. Um, do you think that is one of the goals of of why our religion, you know, it doesn't promote this because of the net like uh, like negative effect, not you know you know only on yourself but on the ones around you if they were to hear about yourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would say that number one, there's a fundamental difference between me saying, uh, "Hey, everybody, I'm not fasting. What do you got to say?" versus you know, I'm really struggling with fasting and I couldn't even do it fast today, right? And what is the fundamental difference in the second scenario? I'm still speaking of fasting as something I have to do. And my not doing it, I'm speaking of it in some sort of sorrow, difficulty, remorse, vulnerability, right? Uh, And so those are two fundamentally different things. And then to answer your question, does it affect the heart? Uh, a way to think about it is that there's nothing that is value neutral. Uh, everything that is the heart is taking in is affecting the heart. Something's obviously more, something's obviously less. And the same way, think of like the inoculation effect, that the first time you might hear some egregious news, you know, civil war breaks out here and 10,000 people uh, have been killed. And you're shocked. And the next day, 12,000 people have been killed. You're not as shocked as you were with 10,000. To the point that eventually it doesn't even make the news anymore. It doesn't affect you, right? That's the inoculation effect, which is akin to the effect that it can have on our hearts. Because think about all of the violence in movies. This is something I notice myself getting older, as well as being a father, is all the bad language, all the violence that I would enjoy in movies when I was 20. Now I can't stand, right? Except maybe in those movies that I liked when I was 20. Right, just because I've watched them so many times, and and so another thing we have to also add <clears throat> is that there's a difference between sin and crime. Uh, crime in general, the default is still towards public, uh, but you know, like the, I gave the example, if a person has committed, a person has witnessed uh, an egregious sin, you know, zina of two people and only has three witnesses, then the prescriptions, they stay silent, right? But if it's enough for a conviction, then it's a public thing. Or likewise, if someone confesses, then it's become a public thing, right? Except if they are repenting. 
So think of the hadith where a person comes to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and says, I committed such and such sin. So one is a guy who says, you know, I committed zina with a woman. Another is a woman says, I committed zina, had a baby, buried the baby. What was the Prophet's first response? And it's very subtle. Ahant. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't quite oh. remember. Oh, sorry. Anybody know? The prophet's ignoring, ignored their lady. The first response, exactly that, he turned his head away. Right? And then he would try to convince them that, no, you didn't actually do this. You did such. No, yeah, I did. No, you did such. Like, okay, in case Zina, no, you just kissed her. No, you did uh No, I had Zina. No, you hugged her. And then the prophet is, is almost trying to talk them out of the fact that they've committed the sin. And then when it is accepted and it's a matter of punishment, then the punishment would happen. And the punishments, unlike our society, where you literally just put people to the side and hide it, were public. That's crime. Individual, then I think there's another thing to consider that our current era, and this definitely applies to our Muslim era, is a complete facade, right? It's complete focus on performance and impression some of this is american media culture some of this is back home shame culture where you put on a face that everything is fantastic okay and it is fundamentally a lie and so american common culture is a little bit more so to speak honest you know in terms of the struggles people go through as opposed to our back home shame culture uh where you literally might even literally lie just to give the impression that everything is okay. That I think is a disease in our community, right? Where you actually feel like there's something fundamentally wrong with you if you cannot fulfill the ideals. And so I'm suggesting, you know, a point you keep hearing me in these classes is a lot of times Muslims are more pious than what Islam is requiring. And we have to lower, so to speak, the waterline of what is being expected. So let me, uh, how would you answer this question? Question for all of you. What is the definition, some of you know my answer, but what is the definition of a good Muslim? How would you answer that question? Or you can think about it, but uh, Sadia, you would raise your hand and then Dania. And Ahan, I don't know if your hand is raised from before. Yeah. Uh, I didn't remember my hand. Oh, <laughs> uh, it might've been from before. Yeah, but I think my. No, no, you don't. You don't have to speak. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Okay. Now, actually, it was uh, uh, along the same lines. Um, what uh, Ahant was saying, like uh, the company affects you, uh, especially uh, sins are very attractive to human psychology, and it's very easy to fall prey to them. So. Um, so, of course, there is a benefit for the hearts of the others because you may be able to come back and repent the others who have heard about it and who have been desensitized, they might not be able to so mm -hmm. or not get the opportunity or want to or whatever that is. And so it's just uh, a multiple effect. Um and there was one point, one more point I wanted to say, and I have forgotten. Probably I will say that if I remember. Inshallah. Inshallah. Dania. 
Um, I'm sorry, I don't have an answer for your question, but if you want to but, do that first, I can ask my question. No, no, ask your question. Okay, so I think, I mean, I agree with the points that are being made, and I hear you, Professor, but at the same time, I feel like enacting this is really hard. Like, how do you, so you want to maintain sitra, which I think is like a beautiful concept in our religion. Um, but at the same time, okay, for, let me give an example. Let's say someone tells you, hey, I drink. Okay. And, you know, they they confide uh, in you and, and, and tell you this and you like, let's say, like, have a discussion about it, et cetera. But then they continue to do so. Like, what is your role in terms of, I mean, of course, there's the part of like sitra because that's, you know, you, you want to conceal that. You don't want to share another person's um, sins. Um, but at the same time, that's not a space like you feel like comfortable being in. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you navigate that? Also, I mean, if people are getting becoming like sloppy in their sitra of themselves. So let's say, you know, before they would like drink in private, but now they're out um you're just guzzling and, and, yeah. I, like out like let's say like at a, a restaurant where you can mm. see anybody and like ordering alcohol that's i think that's different than doing something in private yeah. or like in specific groups etc so like how how do we mm -hmm. realistically navigate that mm -hmm. i mean it goes back to the the same point of it depends upon how close you are to them right that <clears throat> imagine you know this was your childhood friend you know or your sibling you'd probably be very vocal with them right if it's an acquaintance you might at most nod trying not to give a sense of approval right it it depends uh on what is your level of relationship with that person how much you intervene if they're coming to my office and which means essentially they're coming for help, uh, then I'm very frank with them. And I've had many cases where students have said, okay, I don't know if we're allowed to, to, to share sins. I say, well, here in this, you're coming for help, you know, so share whatever you deem is appropriate. Today was a discussion, okay, I don't know if sharing this is going to be backbiting. And I said, well, I don't know what you're going to share, uh, but it was in the context of operations of, of, of an organization and and so this person told me all about these complaints didn't give me the name of the person even though he knew that i knew about whom he was speaking right uh, but then in terms of the public aspect of it for me then i get at the pulpit at juma and i'll give a juma khutbah like okay all you guys who are here for juma alhamdulillah and you're getting rewarded for it but then what are you going to be doing tonight and then if you're a player then which one is the real you? Because one of those is going to win. And then you see all these frowns and looks of shock in the people in the crowd, some of whom knew I was speaking about them, some of whom were afraid I was speaking about them. And so my role is that I have to address these things in the appropriate context, but that uh, it's a chutbah, it's a public scenario, right? Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm too loud on, on the things that, that, that I'll talk about. Like when people ask me to give talks at their masjid about what's going on in student life, uh, I gave a talk in, in, in a local masjid, uh, on, you know, what's happening in college student life. And the first thing I asked them is, all right, 
what level of heat do you want the talk? Zero, which is where you've already heard everything I'm going to say, and you all agree with it, and you go home. Ten is just the mere mention of such things makes you uncomfortable what to think of a full discussion. Five is somewhere in between. So all these parents are like five, and then this 12-year-old goes, ten, right, you know. And it was a 10. And, and so we talked about very, very serious things very, very openly that are common issues that have to be addressed. And it was basically everything under the sun. But yeah. So, yeah, uh, from, from there are two points. Uh, uh, from Dania's point that, uh, that uh, discussing the things, right? Uh, and, 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 and we discussed that, like, there are very few things in Islam, which are haram, like alcohol or zina and a couple of other things, which are not mentionable or maybe. So like these things are, again, what if we are, we are keep assuming that someone is talking to you actually. What if they're not talking to you? What if they're talking to someone who is perfectly fine with that, right? Uh, we don't know. And um, that's, that's, that's one point. Uh, okay, the second- I don't, I don't understand that point. What does that mean? So it means like, what if they are talking to someone who is perfectly fine with that? So let's right? say, let's say Zishan is having a conversation with Khurram and Zishan's a hitman and Khurram's like, oh man, how many people did you kill today? And are you speaking of just that? Or let's say innocent little Hamid is, is sitting next to them and he's hearing all this. Are you speaking of that scenario? Like a third person? Or are you just speaking of two people talking to each other? Two people, like means... Um, let, let's talk about alcohol, right? Okay. Means, uh, if if uh, if someone doesn't come, like my friend doesn't uh, tell me because he knows that he doesn't like that. But for example, what if he tells someone else, which is fine with that? Okay, okay. alcohol is fine. Means there are these benefits and this and that, this and that. So it means again in that case, it is still. Uh, so that's that's what I'm trying to compare actually, right? Because we keep talking here that someone might be telling you, but not. It is not necessary that someone might be telling you. It might be telling to someone else who might be perfectly fine with that. So yeah. that still not sure if I'm understanding the point. But okay, why don't you continue to make the other points and maybe it'll make sense to me. Yeah. Well, the other point is the answer of your question, actually. Okay. Okay, so okay, so okay, let me see if I'm understanding your first point, which is basically that uh the question that's being raised is what if someone shares their sin with me? Yeah. And you're saying, well, what if two people are sharing sins with each other, you know, yeah. and they don't care? So that yeah. wouldn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. But that would still be contributing to corruption of the society. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Got was... it. Uh, and then what is your answer to my question? What is a good Muslim? Well, actually, uh, uh, it is, uh, uh, I was just reading the ayah uh, that, uh, that Allah Ta'ala says that, uh, um, it, it's it's I in Surah 16, um, uh, Nahal, that uh, uh, that don't uh, crave the, do not crave the fleeting players uh, okay. that we have given to some of you, mm -hmm. nor grieve for them. Okay. And uh, be gracious to uh, believers. Okay. So yeah, that came to my mind. Okay, I, just, I, think, I think that's a good answer. My answer is still different. Anyone else? What is the answer to the question? What is a good Muslim? What is the mark of a good Muslim? Uh, if I if I may, yes, you may. Um, I would say 
that a good Muslim is someone who, well, see, I feel like that question has so much nuance, but I'll just say what I was going to say. And, uh, a good Muslim is someone whose uh, actions, whose private actions are better than their public actions. Okay. Okay. Nice. Another good answer, different than my answer. Jules has a very good, Jules has a very good answer, different than my answer. Rossi. Um, my answer will be someone who submit to Allah. Okay. Um, and um, I, I, you know, I just came home from work, so we're now on one Zoom account. But uh, um, I, I guess uh, if we want to refer back to the Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu when, uh, you know, when he said, uh, I just believe in the, the, uh, the, the Kalima and have upright character. Okay. You know, good definition. Different than mine. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to like gauge how spe- you know specific you, you know you want to get with this, right? I mean, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody ready for my answer? Yes. A good Muslim is a Muslim who is trying to be a better Muslim. So it could be person so, number so. one is praying five. And they're trying to improve. It could be that person number two is praying zero, and they're trying to improve. Gabriel, but you said like a mark of, of a good Muslim. You you contextualize good Muslim versus Muslim. Sure. Yeah, I didn't say what is a Muslim is someone who believes in shahada, and I'm okay, saying a good Muslim is one who is trying to be a better Muslim. Mm. Oh yeah, listen to Praise the Lord. Uh, uh, I don't even know whose sounds those are. I can't see who's <laughs> who's like unmute. Like all of you are muted right now. Okay. In any case, uh, if we go with that answer, alaikum. If we if we go with that answer, then by definition, uh, it is not related to what they are accomplishing. It's more related to what are they working towards Good. Sadia raise your hand yeah um, I was just saying that what you are saying is actually very consistent with uh, the subjectivity of the Quran and the oh yeah bring in these terms <laughs> nice oh so I completely resonated with that that's perfect Alhamdulillah any other thoughts, questions, reflections? I still haven't given you the fourth part of the test of sincerity. Somebody's question on that's me. Comment. Question on your definition. Let's say someone is a Muslim. Okay. And can we can we give that person a name? How about either Hamid or Omar? You want to call him Omar? Uh, that's better than Hamid. Okay. And in this case, this uh, Muslim is a serial killer. Okay. okay, they don't pray, they don't fast, they don't give zakat, they don't do anything. Go, go ahead, go ahead, law student. Please continue. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and they kill like I don't know. Let's say they kill one person a month. And so now they want to kill one person every two months. Yeah, this is where we're gonna go. Yeah, yeah. So now they want to like you know what? For the month of Ramadan, I'm not gonna kill anyone. Okay. Do you say that that person is a good Muslim? I would say that person is a good Muslim. Yeah, I would not say that person is going to paradise, but <laughs> Allah knows best. But yeah, in his universe, yeah. Mm. So really, it's that sincere intention to get closer to Allah that would define a good Muslim. Yes. 
but obviously the example is kind of absurd you know but it's to make the point i mean you can like you can change the example to be less less absurd uh... so someone who who drinks every day and is trying to be a good muslim so they're cutting down the drinking Mm. yeah but if i do come across a person who is committing murder on a regular basis and is trying to be a better muslim by committing less murder won't i say yeah keep at it keep keep at what trying to do commit less murders yeah i would hope you turn them in well i mean <laughs> the the, uh, the assumption is that the conversation is you know between a screen you know like a a plexiglass screen and they're dressed in like an orange suit <laughs> yeah. rossi and then sadia Assalamualaikum. Um, is your definition derived from the Prophet being, you know, like Rahmatul Alameen in terms of, you know, the 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 mercy and the compassion and the the, the open like heartedness he had to show uh, uh, to bring the deen to people, whereas you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, as long as the uh, uh, the arrow is pointed in one direction, you know. And you had references, oh, you know, you know, in that person's universe, he he is uh, the good Muslim. He, and do you have to take it at a case by case situation, in like terms of your definition, right? I mean, because that's what being, be case by being case, merciful yeah. is, yeah. Meaning, because, <clears throat> and I'm emphasizing the fact that they're trying to be a better muslim so there's some action involved there right some change of behavior and this brings us back to our point of repentance that repentance is illustrated by change of behavior yeah yes yeah inshallah sadia so how about a person who doesn't pray but religiously fasts and doesn't pray while fasting except Juma. Um, and fast is a very personal ibadah where nobody's going to know mm-hmm. if you are fasting. Mm-hmm. So we cannot really say, oh, it's because of the social pressure they're doing it. Um, they're not even around a lot of Muslims, let's say. Then then what do you say about that type of a person like it's the same thing if they're aspiring to be a better muslim but i don't know about the intent we don't know about the intent but Uh happening every year same thing every year Uh (laughs) so when i'm speaking of someone being a good muslim being someone who's trying to be a good muslim that becomes a self-assessment not an assessment someone else can do. So for none of you, can I see your intentions? Maybe I can see some changes in behavior, but holistically, no. Likewise for me, but I can see, all right, am I complacent? Am I satisfied with where I am? And I'm fulfilling all five prayers, all fasts. I've done Hajj. I do Zakat every year. Uh, only I can truly be honest with myself. Am I trying to be better? See what I'm saying? Right. So it's a self-assessment. 
Yeah, I I I get that. And uh, but we also talked about uh, the patterns of behavior. How much change do you see? So mm-hmm. let's say we're not talking about other behaviors, but but just behaviors that would reflect at least um, some improvement in maybe ibadah. So maybe well, if you were not uh, praying during Ramadan, you started to pray more in Ramadan. I'm not saying every day, but like, so, but you don't see that. So who doesn't see that? I mean, the other person. Yeah. I mean, if we're speaking in my context as a, as the, the teacher of a student, then it would be, you know, assuming an open conversation, then at, then evaluating where they're improving, where they're not. If it's two people, you know, friends or something, yeah, you're not going to see these things, you know, except for what is being shared. And so I would not be able to evaluate as a friend if, let's say, hypothetically, we'll call somebody Kibria, if they're actually, you know, improving. Uh, if it's teacher-student relationship and hypothetical Kibriya is saying, okay, I'm doing this and I'm fasting this many times, I'm praying this many times, my concentration, so forth and so on. Then I say, okay, for next month, work on this improvement. And then he does it, then he's aspiring to be better. So then I would add to that definition maybe that a good Muslim is someone who's trying to be a better Muslim and try to not assume the actions or intents of other Muslims, of other people. I wouldn't even include that. <laughs> I think because uh, because we can do so much harm to our own hearts as well. Yeah, but that's if that's we are we are assuming deed. those things. So yeah, and but that's that applies to every single deed. Yeah. So do you think that would be included in that? Oh yeah, nope. I guess. Nope, I would include that. No. In the same way that I could be judging someone's intentions, I could also be, uh, you know, committing some uh, some haram or some makru and have no intention of changing it. Mm. So, so the point is taken, but in terms of my very very simple definition, what is a good Muslim? It's one who's aspiring to be a better Muslim, which includes everything in the whole universe mm. uh, that's involved there. So one who judges would then be someone who is judging less, seeking to judge less. Right, right. Make sense? Thank you. Yes, definitely. Thank you. All righty. And the last question, thoughts, reflections. So we're going at pretty much consistent speed, maybe an ayah a day. Yesterday we did like two or three ayahs. No, I think we did four. Today we did, you know, one third of an ayah. Gabriel. Uh, could you give me like a minute after the class? Uh, sure, probably no, a minute. No sure. confessions. Yeah, sure. Anyone else? Any other questions, thoughts, reflections about anything? Okay, we'll finish up the point on repentance, inshallah, and then things get even more juicy. All righty. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah ta'ala reward you all, inshallah, and we'll see you, inshallah, tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Amen. I missed the ayah. Which ayah? The <laughs> um, um, how do I stop the recording? Record.